Hello, and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. This is Japan Part 2. It's strange because I'm back in Aspen. The snow is finally melting, which I can't be happier about. I've got my garden set up, I put my hammock up, and I'm still thinking about Japan and its beauty, the food. I ate so well, and I had all these delicious snacks, and now I miss them. I miss the snacks and the bidets. I know I keep talking about that, but truly, truly, it was amazing. I'll try not to bring it up in this episode. <laughs> so, leaving off, I was in the Japanese countryside. Originally, when I booked that hotel, I thought it would be closer to the town called Nikko. Nikko is a World Heritage Site. It's a small town that is filled with temples. I can't tell you exactly how many. There are large ones. The most famous one is Toshogu. But surrounding Toshogu, there are, I want to say, maybe 10 other temples. It's over 700 years old, this site, and it's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. The hotel I was staying at was kind of out of the way, and I needed to take two trains to get to Nikko. When I booked it, this hotel came up that it wasn't far away. Mileage wise, it's not. If I had a car, it would be fine, but I didn't, so I had to take trains. So I decided, okay, early next morning, I would take the train to Nikko. So I checked out because after my day in Nikko, that night I would be staying in Tokyo. So basically, I would sightsee Nikko all day and then take the train to the bullet train and end up in Tokyo. So fingers crossed. <laughs> so that morning I got up early, I made it to Nikko. I had to take two trains and it took a little bit because you had to connect. I was told that once I got to Nikko, I could either take a taxi to get to Toshogu, the temple, or there's a bus. I made it out of the train station. But first, I checked my bag. I put it in a locker because I didn't want to carry it around all day, which was such a wise decision. These temples had so, so many stairs, and I couldn't have imagined taking my bag everywhere. That would have been almost crazy. So I get out of the train station, I look at the bus schedule, I just missed the bus by literally a minute. So, you know, I can't just stand around. So I decide I'm gonna walk, which the concierge at the hotel said I could walk, but he made it sound like it was kind of far. I don't know. But I decided to walk up the hill, and then I see there is this huge amount of traffic. And I actually passed the bus that I was going to take, which I thought was funny. I don't know why there's all this traffic, but I am faster than any of these cars. So I'm thinking, oh, like I made a good decision. There's a main street, and that's the street I'm walking up. And basically, you have to go kind of up a hill around this mountain. And then that's where all these temples and all the like historic parts of the town are. As I'm passing the traffic, I see four of wooden type carriages. And it's not a carriage. It does have small wheels, but it's mainly being pushed by men that are wearing robes. And it turns out there's some sort of a festival going on. These carriages are filled with women that are playing drums and slightly humming. 
I don't know what they were having. And the carriage was topped with like fake sakura, which are cherry blossoms. And it seems like there was some sort of a cherry blossom festival going on. What I didn't know then is that these carriages are all going and being pushed around town, and their end goal would be the temples. But at this point, I'm just passing them, and I'm thinking, wow, this is so interesting. Um, <laughs> so I'm taking pictures, you know, and, and these women are like playing on their drums and humming and singing. And then these poor men, they're like already breaking out in sweat, trying to push, and it's all uphill. There's police there. They're making sure that none of these cars are reacting in a strange way, I guess. But everything's orderly. It's just taking forever, and there's a lot of traffic. I get to kind of the beginning of the historic site. There's this red bridge. You can't walk on it anymore because it's so old, but it's the original bridge. But there's a river, and that's the beginning of this whole temple area. And it's beautiful because it's very green. It's very lush. There's all these cherry blossom trees, pine trees, and Japanese pine is a little bit different. It's a bit more fragile. And then I see these steps and it goes up a hill and then there's all these trees. You know, it's like a park type area, but it's not. It's like the entrance to all these old temples and all these old kind of cobblestone streets. So I go up these steps and there's maybe 40, you know, spread throughout. And then I walk through these small cobblestone pathways and right in front of me is the first temple it's huge and there's some sort of a service going on because they're all still active i mean these temples are like between 700 to a thousand years old and they're still active and look beautiful and preserved and right in front of it is an 800 year old cherry blossom tree it's got all these stilts if you will holding it up all these different branches because some of these branches are super heavy but it's the most beautiful tree and i thought it was so amazing you know and it's just blooming it's right in front of this temple and the temples there a lot of them were very vibrant in color lots of tones of reds whites and black golds and this one with the cherry blossom in front of it was so breathtaking and that was the first temple but then you walk through these cobblestone streets and it never ends. There's one, it's all black and gold. And then I walk up this hill and then there's the entrance to, to Shogu, which is the showstopper. Right in front of it is a five tier pagoda. And I've only seen an actual pagoda, which is not actual in like Disney, you know, but this is the real deal. The detail on this is crazy. Everything is hand carved, hand painted. I can't even explain the beauty because it was it's just so surreal being there and seeing all this art in person. I could not take enough pictures and even the pictures couldn't even convey the amount of detail that I was seeing. And then there's the entrance to Toshogu. You have to buy a ticket, but none of it was very expensive. It was maybe three, four dollars entrance. You know, nothing crazy. I feel like here it would probably be like $20 to get in, you know. So I go up the main stairs and the way these temples are set up, you have like four tiers 
if you want to call it that. And then the middle part is the highest point. That's the part, the very center of it. And that's where you end up praying. And usually you cannot take pictures there. But there's all these different, you know, layers to it. So the first layer is a giant wall around it. You enter through this grand entrance. And even the ceiling of the entrance is gold and you have all these carvings and these statues. And then you walk up another set of stairs, maybe like 40 steps. And then you have all these small temples within the large temple courtyard. And there you have different worshiping figures in each of these temples. And each miniature temple has crazy detail. So then you walk up another set of stairs and that is the third tier. And there you're surrounded by all these different statues and they're all, everything's original, you know, and I've seen beautiful statues in India and temples there. I mean, every country has its own style, but what I was really kind of floored about in Japan was how everything looked so vibrant. You know, they're really, they really preserve their art and you can tell like there's so much care put into their culture and their history and it's amazing how everything looks so then you walk up you know you're in the third tier there's all these statues and then there's a sub kind of area where you can pray to the cat and you know cats are good luck so there's this whole other section of stairs next to the actual temple that I'm visiting and that is about like 200 stairs. I'm not even joking. I'm so glad that I left my bag in the locker area. Like it was crazy. And some people, they had to turn around because they couldn't even manage all the stairs. But these are original stairs, like stone steps. And they're winding up all around these hills. You get to the very top of it and there's a cat. And, you know, people are worshiping, obviously not a real cat, but it's a, a cat sculpture. There's a very old tree and you can pray to this tree. So I go back down all these stairs after I was up there. And then I get to the center of Toshogu and you take your shoes off. You walk on, you know, wood, like most of it is like either bamboo, like panels. The temples there are all indoor, like it's dry, but they're open. You walk on like wooden panels, wooden floors, and then you pray in the center, and then you can go and put your shoes back on. But I was there at least like an hour and a half because there's so much to see. And it's not just the actual temple. You know, each tier has so many miniature sculptures and temples. So there's just so much to see. And then this is just one temple. You know, this is the main one, yes. But after this, I went on to see maybe six more. Like I was templed out. Like, <laughs> but, but I felt like this is the only time I'm going to be there. I have to see them all. And then I go on and continue, you know, because they're all somehow connected with these cobblestone walkways and I get to one and I'm thinking wow like this cannot get any more beautiful and then I get to the next one and it's more beautiful you know but they're all 
so breathtaking. And then I see the next one, they're getting kind of more empty, which is strange because the day is getting later and usually it would get busier throughout the day. But what I'm realizing is that this wooden carriage is now up where the temples are and they're literally there four hours later. Like when I passed them, it took them four hours to get to this point. But now people are kind of crowding and they're taking pictures and I'm having trouble walking through because there are so many people. And then I see the street vendors are setting up for street food. So there's all these different vendors. And of course, I'm like, yeah, I'm hungry. I need, <laughs> I need food. And I was really impressed by all the street food. So then a big thing was takoyaki which it's all made fresh you have these cast iron molds and they're circular and inside you put batter so it's like kind of pancake crepe batterish esque and you pour it into these like little round molds you let it bake but you fill it with a tiny piece of octopus and then with chopsticks they turn them around and let the other side bake and then they put probably eel sauce it's more like an eel sauce and it's delicious and they also put mayonnaise something i noticed in japan they put mayonnaise on everything which i love i love mayonnaise and japanese mayonnaise is so good it's similar to european mayonnaise but i want to say maybe it has a bit more like rice vinegar in it so i'm eating the takoyaki and then i pass this it's kind of a crepe stand but it's not crepes like there it's a crepe batter but it's savory it's rolled in this stick yeah it's like a chopstick and then there's crab filling they put a fried egg on top a bunch of eel sauce and a bunch of mayonnaise and i'm thinking yes <laughs> this is what i need and they put egg on everything which i love because my favorite type of food is breakfast i can eat breakfast any time of the day and the fact that they put fried egg on everything was perfect and then i pass there's bananas dipped in chocolate which was a huge attraction. These French tourists couldn't take enough pictures. There's marinated octopus and grilled. They have, they have these grilled meats on sticks and skewers. And the thing is, this is street food and it's all so good. You know, I didn't go there to try Michelin star restaurants, which I could have, you know, but that wasn't my goal. The thing is, I'm sure they were, would have been fabulous, you know, because I did read a lot about it, like a Michelin star restaurant. You have omikasi, which is kind of, you know, one bite at a time and the chef prepares it. And that can be about $400 for one person, which for Japan, that's very, very expensive because I had excellent meals and they weren't very expensive and they were very highly rated. You know, because so, the quality there is just so good. You don't have to eat Michelin star. And the thing is, the street food for me was so good. I'm so happy that I just went around basically trying everything. And it didn't matter where you ate. The quality was excellent. Like when I was in the countryside, I'm sure you've all heard of Wagyu beef, which is their cows that are massaged. They're given a special diet. Basically what you see when you look at the meat and the fat, it's very spread out, you know, the fat strains are very kind of small and thin throughout, but the texture of the meat is perfect. It's not too fatty. It's not too chewy. 
it's very, very just perfect meat. And they did the same thing with pigs in this countryside region. And it was actually famous. And I had this salad with the pork that is similar to the Wagyu beef and how it's treated. But they're known throughout Japan in this region where I was staying. And the same thing with the pork. It was very, very tender. It was marinated. But the flavor of this was unlike any kind of pork I've ever had. And it was very good. Which later on made me feel weird just because I went to a pig cafe where I had to make a reservation. And you go there to pet pigs, which I'll get to later. But it, after that, I'm like, oh no, like pigs are so cute. They really are. I mean, all animals, you know, and which is why I was a vegetarian for so long. What I'm saying is anywhere I went, the quality of food was excellent. I didn't have to go and eat high end because I found excellent quality everywhere. One thing I wish was that I had brought more cash so I could eat more street food because it wasn't obviously accepted by a credit card. You know, there there's a lot of street food and everybody wants cash for it. But I was reluctant because I still had a lot of time that I didn't want to spend all my cash. And obviously I left my debit card at home so I couldn't get more cash. <laughs> you know, so that was one thing, you know, that I didn't do right. So after this whole day of sightseeing and I've been walking up and down all these temples, but some of them have a huge amount of stairs in each level. And there was one next to Toshogu, which I know, obviously I'm standing right in front of it. I'm gonna go, you know, I'm, I'm in Japan. I made it there. I'm not just gonna be like, oh, I've seen too many temples today. Let me turn around. No, that's not, that's not what I do. I go and see everything because it's right there and it's beautiful, you know? So some of these temples, like a hundred steps to get up it. I'm not even exaggerating, you know, and it was beautiful. I'm tired because I've been walking distance-wise, not far, but within all these temples so far. And I walk back through town, the main road. I didn't even know where the bus stop was to catch the bus, but at this point it didn't matter. It's not that far, like 15 minute walk. And I get to the train station. There's two train stations. One is like a local train station where I put my bag in the locker. And then five minutes down the street is the main train station. And this train station is going to get me to the Shinkansen, which is the bullet train. The local one wasn't going to go that far. That's like the countryside train station. So I walk down with my luggage and I get to the main train station. I have to wait maybe like half an hour because I didn't know how long everything would take. So I'd rather be early. And then this takes me to one of the main stations. And of course, this is a main train station for the bullet train. So again, they have all these shops. As I said earlier, in the other episode, the Japanese, when they travel, they don't come empty handed and they always give food. 
So there's all these shops with all these beautiful packaged cookies and mochi. And of course, I'm like, yes, I need this for me. <laughs> you know? So I'm looking around and I think I bought some like matcha financier. And I love all their flavors. There's a lot of cherry blossom flavor. There's lots of teas. It's not just matcha. But I saw hojicha. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. I don't know. But just different flavor profiles that I was very curious about. So I take the train. And this is the first time that I'm going to Tokyo to stay. I'm staying in Rapogni. And Tokyo is very spread out. Like there are areas where it's very bustling. There's a lot of people. And then there's areas where it's very green. Like the Botanical Garden is in the middle of Tokyo. You have the Imperial Palace, which takes up a huge amount of land. And then you have the Financial District, where there are a lot of high rises. You have the Fashion District. You have a local train within Tokyo and you also have a subway within Tokyo so the transportation is excellent we always see this one picture with the crossing which is in Shibuya where there's like a thousand people and they all cross at once and yes there is that area and that area is crazy but there's no other area like it in Tokyo so Rapogni I guess is more like financial district but at night it's where the clubs are and it's funny though because I'm not like a huge club person but initially I thought I need to google where to stay because I don't know you know it's huge Tokyo is huge so I looked up where to stay and it suggested Rapogni and now it's funny because the nightlife there is huge which I'm not even a nightlife person I mean I went to Japan to look at temples but of course since I'm in the middle of the nightlife I guess I should experience it too which a couple of days later I do. But that day I take the bullet train to Rapogni and I'm screenshotting how to basically get to my hotel. I'm figuring out everything to do that day and the next days because each step of the way, it was too overwhelming to all plan at once because I did so many things that each time I was on the train because there was free Wi-Fi, that's when I really planned. So I get to the train station in Tokyo, which is so crazy. It's huge. There's all these different levels, restaurants, shops. I can't tell you exactly how many levels there are, but it goes deep into the underground. And then you have levels above it. You know, people that live in Tokyo, they go to the train station for shopping. They go there for their lunch, for their dinner. Like the level and quality there is so good. So I get to the train station, I figure out how to get out, which is not always easy because there's different sides. There's like a north side, there's a south side, an east and a west, and it's so crazy. So I finally figure out how to get out. I have to cross some streets to get to my subway. Other subways connect with the train station, but this particular one did not. So I had to go above ground, get to the subway, and then get back down. The thing is, when you're in New York, it says uptown, downtown. It's very simple. You know, you kind of know which direction you have to go in. There's really just two directions, you know, unless you live in Queens or something. And then it'll say going to Queens. But in this case, basically, it's like a circle, the transportation. It doesn't fully go in a full circle. There's an end and a beginning. But I don't know the names of the 
towns in between, you know, or the stops in between. So I don't actually know which direction I have to go in. That part was a bit confusing. So I asked in the entrance because my rail car didn't cover my subway. So I had to get the ticket for that separately. And this conductor came out and he helped me and he was very respectful and courteous and just really nice like he was caring which nobody cares in new york you know in the subway like he couldn't speak english but he was you know kind of showing me and gesturing how to get the ticket he got it for me and then he followed me three stories down to make sure that i was taking the right subway which what like how nice is that <laughs> I was so impressed and I, I didn't know that he was kind of behind me because I was the only person in that, you know, at that time. When I'm at the bottom, I see, oh, he's right there. And he came up to me and made sure that I was taking the right one, which, oh, wow, I've never had that in New York ever. So I take the subway, I get off at the right stop, and then I see this coffee shop. And I was really impressed by coffee in Japan. Like everything they do is just excellent quality. And the coffee was the same. I was surprised how many people drink coffee. It's very, very popular. And then they made this bitter coffee soft serve. And I saw a picture of that with an arrow into this coffee shop. And I thought, yes, I need that. And the presentation was beautiful. It was in a waffle cone, like a real waffle cone, the bitter soft serve ice cream that is inside like a metal coil. So you can stand it up. You don't have to hold it the whole time. And then I'm just sitting there watching people go by and I'm about 10 minutes away from the hotel. The check-in at the hotel was very easy because this part now, so I've been in Japan, I guess about five days. And then this part of the trip, I had pre-booked and prepaid, so nothing was an issue, thank goodness. And then they had an automatic check-in, computerized. Like basically, I went there to the front desk, and then they said, yes, just go on the computer. <laughs> so that's how I checked in. I get up to my room, very compact, quite small, but enough room for a massage chair. <laughs> which I didn't even know would be in there. And then my question was, does every single room have a massage chair? Like that's so many massage chairs. But I consider myself to be a massage whore. I don't know, is that the right word? Probably not, but I love massages. Okay, if somebody offers a massage and they're just trying to be nice and then they finish after five minutes, I'm like, what? is that like continue please <laughs> so you know i i work in the kitchen i walk around my body does a lot i would say yes my body is quite tense on top of that i do body pump i do pole i hike i don't just sit okay so massages are always welcome and i'm very tense <laughs> like, so i will never say no to massage i see this massage share i'm like yes I need to sit. <laughs> so I sit there for 30 minutes and get a massage and it's borderline painful, yet it still feels good. You know, I do like a deep tissue. It's funny because the room is set up. There's one window. The bed is a queen bed. It, it is against the window. And then the massage chair is next to that. And then right next to that is the bathroom, which is glass. Like the walls of the bathroom are glass. And then there's not curtains, but shades. So I can, if I want my own privacy in the bathroom, I 
roll down these shades, which is funny, but they did it like that so that the bathroom gets natural light as well. And you have a shower in there, of course, the bidet toilet, which now this is normal and I won't accept any less. And then you have this thing. The water pressure in the shower was excellent, like in all of Japan that I was. So I decide, okay, I'm gonna go out of the hotel, walk down in the area, and there's this beautiful park, and it has another shrine. You know, like in Western countries, there's churches all throughout. It's the same in Japan, except you have small shrines. So when local pedestrians, when people pass this park, they may not have time to enter, so they just bow. They take a second, you know, maybe like 30 seconds. They stand in front, they bow, and then they continue walking. And, I, and it wasn't just a few people. Almost like 90% of people walking by would do this, which I was very impressed by, you know, because we don't do that when we walk by a church. I went through the park and it was beautiful. Tokyo is not flat. You know, you may have the roads up high, and then you have these steps and you go down and there's a park. And then you have more steps and go down and there's this giant shopping center. You know, like everything is just this discovery land for me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, one thing leads to the next. So I'm not a like minute by minute planner. I have things that I like to see throughout the day, but then I kind of see where one thing leads me, you know, and before I know it, I've been walking then for six hours, you know, like that's just what I do. I walk to this park and see this shrine and then that leads me to this beautiful graveyard and I walk through that and then there's these bike paths where I walk along and then that leads me to this bigger park and then that leads me to where local residents live and these cute little old houses and all these little mailboxes. And then from there, I see all these skyscrapers. You know, Tokyo is just very diverse. And I loved the graveyard because, first of all, it's very green, all these beautiful trees, but then just the type of grave stones, you know, it was very different than here. And of course, the characters, the writing, everything looks beautiful to me, you know, the, just the Japanese characters. So as I stop, I pass a 7 Eleven and I get. No joke, I get like seven snacks. They're so good. I get like an egg salad sandwich, which is on milk bread, which is very soft. I get a cream puff and the shell of it is just delicious. I get sweet bean paste kind of mochi, which I love, like the soft mochi. I get these brown sugar crispy kind of snacks and I don't know what they're called. It's this dough, it is baked and then you caramelize brown sugar and you dip this baked, I guess, cracker, if you will. You dip it and stir it in this caramelized brown sugar. And it's super crispy and super crunchy and I could not stop eating it. But on the packaging, there's no English on it. You know, everything is just in Japanese. So I don't know what the hell it is. You just see this picture of these brown something or other. You know, I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, I'm going to get it. <laughs> you know, and then I try these different drinks. I wouldn't get breakfast at a hotel. I would usually get like a yogurt for breakfast because also I was eating so many sweets that 
I thought, okay, I'm gonna have a yogurt, some probiotics, you know, kind of calm my stomach, and then just see what else I want to eat throughout the day. So yeah, I picked up all these 7-Eleven snacks, and I was so impressed because it's 7-Eleven. Like if you go to 7-Eleven in the U.S., I don't know, like there's nothing special, you know, and you might get these weird kind of hot dogs that are sitting out, and it just it doesn't look appetizing to me. But there. The sandwiches, the sushi, they had these little triangular snacks and everything was so good. And it was 7-Eleven. I, I know I keep talking about it, but I was so blown away. Also, they had like these tea drinks, you know, not just green tea, but also milk tea. So I was just always getting something at 7-Eleven and they had everything too. Like if you needed a copy of something, they had a copying machine, they had free Wi-Fi. Anything you needed, 7-Eleven had. Or Lawson. Lawson is like another kind of 7-Eleven corner store. They were so good. So that night I decide I want to eat excellent sushi and eat out, you know, go to a restaurant. I found one not far from where I was staying. It was called Kinka. I looked it up on Google. Everything looked beautiful. And it was like this place was known for seared sashimi. So I got this kind of slate plate. It wasn't a plate, but it was just actual slate. And it was 14 pieces of sashimi on there and sushi kind of mixed. Some of the pieces were seared with a blowtorch, which gave it this smoky. It was still raw, you know, but it just had this smoky flavor and the top was not raw anymore, but it was delicious. And usually I'm kind of picky about sashimi. I like salmon. I like tuna. Tamago. Right. So tamago, they're like layers of beaten eggs. It takes time. You know what I mean? Like everything they do for each dish, it's just very traditional, but it's done the right way and it just takes time. But I love tamago. I love eel. I go to this restaurant. There's so many different pieces of fish. I don't even know what they are. And people don't know enough English to really tell me exactly what it is. But at the same time, there's fish that they have there that I've never had here. I've never heard of it here, you know, and I'm not going to say I'm a, like a fish. I don't know everything about fish. Let's just say that. But anyway, there's fish that I haven't even seen that I'm eating and everything tastes delicious. Nothing is fishy. Everything tastes fresh. And it probably got there that day. Like some restaurants that I would see, they had these cooler boxes of fish still chilled and everything, but they had it outside the restaurant up high. You know, because obviously not on the floor. Because the restaurants were so small and these huge cooler boxes filled with whole fish were huge. So they would store them. You know, it was still cold out and there was no direct sun or anything. So they would keep them outside the restaurant because the restaurants were also tiny. You know, so this restaurant was a little bit bigger and I started with a salmon tartare. It was just so good. Like... And, and how do I explain it? You know, everything was just fresh, high quality, cut perfectly, excellent flavor. So I started with salmon tartare. I had a, a sake sparkling orange drink, which was delicious. And I think it had elderflower in it or probably something local, you know, that is like a local flower. And then I had these 14 pieces of sashimi followed by a hojicha creme brulee, which is like one of the teas there. And I want to say it's a roasted green tea, but 
you know, dare I say the wrong thing. So yes, hojicha is a Japanese green tea. It's distinctive from other Japanese green teas because it's roasted in a porcelain pot over charcoal. Okay, I didn't know that, but I've been eating it the whole time. <laughs> so, so I had a hojicha creme brulee and the flavor was, I loved it. And, and I love tea desserts, you know, like I love Earl Grey. Any, any kind of tea in a dessert, I love it. I really do. I had that for dessert and all of this, you know, the appetizer, the drink, the sashimi, and the dessert, and tip was included, so it was about $50, which is not a lot, you know, for the high quality that everything was. And this was one of the more expensive places, you know, that I went to. It was perfect. And you don't get served soy sauce like you do in the rest of the world with sushi. Basically, you get the right sauce on each piece of sashimi, it doesn't cover the taste of the fish. You know, it pairs perfectly, it brings out the flavor, it doesn't hide it. I never even saw soy sauce. In one restaurant I saw soy sauce, but they added egg yolk to it. And that was for a type of um, sea bream, which is a type of fish. But very rarely do you just get, never, actually never, you, do, you never get soy sauce. And I didn't ask for it. You know, I'm not going to like offend anybody. So. <laughs> and I didn't need it too. I wasn't missing it. You know, I was just enjoying the pieces of fish as is. And the flavor was excellent. It really was. I had that. I walked back to the hotel and I decided, okay, I'm going to go to bed kind of early because the next morning I had to get up early to go to Mount Fuji. I just realized I've been saying... Rapongi incorrectly. It's Rapongi. Anyway, so the next morning I wake up and I'm going to Mount Fuji. I had booked this a couple months prior on Viator and it sounded great. It wasn't cheap. I get to the hotel where all the groups were meeting. There's a bus outside. So everybody meets up. We get on the bus. There's a lovely tour guide. The bus is full. And I booked it by myself, obviously, just me. So I'm sitting on the window seat. And then right before we leave, this lovely Indian man sits next to me who lives in Dubai. So then the tour guide starts talking about all these facts. We're driving on the highway. And the Japanese highway, they can't drive very fast. It's probably about 50, 55 miles per hour. They can't go faster. And it's funny because the tour guide was talking about all these, you know, the way of life in Japan, you know, the work culture. He was saying how people that work in Japan typically get home late because they don't like to leave before their boss. Can you imagine here? Like if you can never leave before your boss, that would suck. <laughs> so that's how it is there. You know, if, if you are married and then I guess the female, the woman is at home, then she's fine with the husband working all day because then she can do whatever she wants. And apparently divorce rates go up when people retire 
which is interesting. So he was saying all these facts. And then in between, I don't know how I started talking to this lovely man next to me, but he was traveling by himself as well. And somehow we started talking. Maybe I said something, maybe some sort of a joke that I thought was funny, but probably wasn't and sounded weird. Sometimes I just say random things, but sometimes they're actually funny as well. But we got to talking about each other and it was very interesting because he was talking about the culture in Dubai. So he was born in India, raised in India. He has a large family, yet he works in Dubai and he travels a lot for work. So this trip to Japan included a work trip slash doing a couple of things you know, touristy things. And I guess Mount Fuji was one of them. Basically, we're on this bus all day. It was from 9.30 a.m. when we left till 5.30 p.m. It was a really, really long day. And then we're driving and then we get to the forest, which surrounds Mount Fuji. And Mount Fuji is the tallest mountain in Japan. And the views were really nice. Like at first, you know, like we see Mount Fuji in the distance, but you're on a coach, so you can't see it from all angles. You kind of have to wait till we're a little bit closer. As we get higher, so it's 3,700 meters tall. And as we get higher, it starts to get cloudier. And then as we're driving there, the tour guide, very informative. He starts talking about Mount Fuji, saying how it symbolizes the quest for beauty and perfection. It's represented in so much Japanese art. Also, Mount Fuji is a volcano. I forget what he said, but it hasn't been active. The last eruption happened in the 1700s. But anyway, we finally get to the top, and the higher we get we don't see anything like there was one moment where on my side I was by the window we pass and for like 10 seconds I saw the tip and there's snow on top of it that's it the rest of the time we were fully immersed in clouds we couldn't see anything obviously that's not the tour guide's fault he was trying to make us happy and really the only thing that was left was to go shopping so he said let's go shopping like five times and then he would ask so we can't see Mount Fuji but would you really like to go shopping and on the bus we're not really excited about shopping you know we're like no <laughs> so I think like five times we went shopping I mean, of course, I'm going to get something every time we stop. <laughs> and I also got some Japanese snacks. So basically, this whole day, I snacked and I went shopping, including I got a little bowl with one of those little matcha whisks. You know, you can stir in the matcha powder and make a matcha tea. <laughs> I thought when in Japan... I should get that there. And it was a handmade little pottery bowl with kind of a modern Mount Fuji on there, which is very pretty. And then this whole time, as we're stopping, going shopping, I'm talking to my neighbor. I'll call him Ron. I feel like I don't want to call him by his real name. But it was nice because we were joking. We were talking about Indian food, which obviously I love Indian food. And then we would take pictures 
you know, because this whole time, basically, I'm taking selfies and things like that. So it was nice to have somebody and we could take pictures of each other, kind of, you know, in front of a poster of Mount Fuji, since we couldn't really see the real thing. And yeah, we leave Mount Fuji kind of quickly because there's nothing to see. Like we're literally fully immersed in clouds. And then there's snow on the side because of course it's the highest point in Japan. The tour guide wants to make it better. He's like, there's one more place that we could go where we might be able to see the peak of Mount Fuji. So we drive to Lake Ash in Hakone, but even that view was blocked by clouds. So we really didn't have any luck. And then the next part of the trip included to take a boat ride on a lake. And it was around Lake Ash. But it was super windy. And it was a huge lake. It was beautiful. I took some pictures. We went from bus to boat. And then we were supposed to go on a gondola, which would take us up a mountain and from there, we can see the lake from above. But the thing was, when we get to where we're supposed to load on the gondolas, our tour guide said it was too windy to go up the gondola. But instead, they have a small aquarium. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> basically, this whole day was messed up. You know, they tried. They tried to have other things planned but it was strange we're on this stop on the lake where there's a gondola but we couldn't do it so i feel like the only reason they had this aquarium was for windy days so that people didn't want their money back or something because the aquarium was very small and it had penguins randomly like swimming around there were some interesting fish and some kind of japanese type fish that i hadn't seen before but it was odd. It was just an odd, like, oh, you can't go up on a gondola, but here's an aquarium. <laughs> there was shopping, of course. There was more shopping. It was just such a long day that the bus driver at that point said, we're going to continue and drop you off at the bullet train, which I had planned ahead of time. We get to the bullet train stop, and I take that back to Tokyo. And at that point... I was so queasy from the bus ride and just the day and just sitting all day. You know, it was it was probably one of my least favorite days, which sucks because every day that I was in Japan, I was wearing a light spring jacket. Every day was really beautiful, except for this day. And then Ron actually had to fly to Kyoto the next day. And he said that from the airplane, and he showed me a picture, from the airplane he could see mount fuji from above it was perfectly clear the next day which was awesome for him but i'm like damn it <laughs> i wanted to see mount fuji but honestly i still can't complain you know i had a great neighbor we had great conversations maybe i'll end up visiting dubai i don't know the offer was put out there so i took the bullet train back to Tokyo. I stayed in the train station and I was just hungry. I wanted real food, like good food. So, cause I'd been snacking all day. On the tour to Mount Fuji, we stopped for lunch, but it was an odd lunch. It was like, um, like kind of like a soup broth type thing with fish chunks and veggie chunks. And it wasn't bad, it was okay. But during 
they put on a show, like there was a show that was put on with Japanese drumming. And in between, they'd like scream like hiya and then do the drums, you know, and it was it was all very entertaining, but it was funny. It was funny to me <laughs> because it was so choreographed, like the whole thing, you know. So now you have lunch with the drums, and next we do this, you know, it's like a, a typical tour guide, which I'm not used to because I prefer just wandering by myself. So now I'm in Tokyo and I want to eat something, and I stopped at this restaurant, which was so, so good. There were these fresh soba noodles in this delicious broth. This whole egg, green onions, and I loved how fresh the soba noodles were. Thank goodness there were pictures. I saw noodles, I saw an egg, perfect. <laughs> like, I love that combination. So I had this delicious soba noodle bowl creation. And from there, I went back to my hotel. But I was so tired that night. That all I wanted to do, like I thought, okay, maybe I'll go out to a club since after this night, I only had one more night since I was staying in the top club spot area. You know, I'm thinking I should go out. Right. But I was so tired. I laid down thinking, oh, yeah, maybe maybe I'll just lay down for 20 minutes, get up and then go to the club. No, I laid down for two hours and then woke up and was like, hmm, I'm gonna fall asleep now. <laughs> like, so the next morning I wake up, I have all this energy and I'm thinking, let me get dressed, go out, like just see the area. And I started off with a cappuccino, um, maybe like a few blocks down where I was staying. And it was such a good cappuccino. It was beautiful. It just really made me think of having pride in everything that I make. You know, in Japan, they just do. And they're proud of their product and what they make. And I was just really inspired by that. You know, so I want to do the best product that I can make. And that's what I was thinking while I was drinking this cappuccino. I decided to take the subway to Ueno Park. And there was this beautiful park. And that day, it was so warm and sunny and perfect. And I thought, wow, I really picked the worst day to go to Mount Fuji yesterday, but how am I supposed to know that? So I walk around the park for probably about three hours. It's this huge park. It has all these temples. I basically walk around this huge lake and in the center of it, I basically walk around this huge lake and then around it, you know, there's water fountains, there's these beautiful trees, there's cherry blossoms. And that day, I was going to go to Ashikaga, which is a flower park. It's a wisteria flower park. To the point that I had heard so much about this. I saw posters about it before I left. Somebody told me I must go there. So I'm thinking, yeah, it's kind of out of the way. It was about an hour away from Tokyo. And I looked at pictures and it looked insane. Like it's open during the day and at night. And I was tempted to just stay throughout the night to s because at night they, they put on all these lights. No, I didn't do that. I just, <laughs> like how long can you stay at a flower park? I mean, I can stay a long time. Guess how long I stayed there. <laughs> I was at this flower park taking pictures for six hours. I know that people who know me are not surprised at this, but I was even surprised. I'm thinking, 
Wow, I was here for six hours taking pictures this whole time. So Ashikaga is a wisteria flower park. And I took the train out there and I had to switch to a second train, which took me directly to the park. I don't know, there were so many people. Almost everybody on this train wanted to go to this flower park. It was, it was the place to go. <laughs> so I'm kind of close to the front of the line. There's maybe 10 people in front of me, but I'm, I'm walking fast. My goal is this flower park. And I, and I look behind me and there's probably like a hundred people. I'm not exaggerating. You know, and everybody's walking in these lines and I'm walking by myself. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to walk a little faster. And I'm glad I did because I get to the pretty much to the front of the line and you have to get tickets. And I look behind me and there's just this huge line because everybody came from this train. So I get a ticket. I'm in the park. First of all, I'm blown away. There's all kinds of flowers everywhere. Like, that's the thing in Japan. They go big. You know how Oprah says, go big or go home? Japan goes big on everything. Everything. <laughs> so I get in there and then there's this soft serve wisteria flavored soft serve if you don't know what wisteria looks like they're all over i mean especially in the spring you'll know it because they have this beautiful smell there's a lot of soap that has wisteria but they're these tiny tiny flowers and they hang they hang down and typically you, you can get them in different colors like purple whites pinks Needless to say, I got the Wisteria soft serve, which was delicious, yet strange. It tasted flowery, creamy, obviously, from the ice cream. But it was just refreshing because it was hot. That day was really hot. At the entrance, they gave sun umbrellas, so I took one for shade. And then it's just a park, like, with all these walkways. And then there's these huge, dense areas where you walk through and it's just wisteria everywhere and it smells so amazing it's hard to explain but there were these areas where it's covered but they have this one wisteria tree and they take the branches and they let the branches grow naturally over this covering but it's just one tree and it grew huge and from these branches, there's all these wisteria flowers hanging down. And people are just taking pictures like crazy. Everywhere. I mean, this park was insane. And everybody wanted to go. And I'm so glad I did, you know. But the sun, being out, taking pictures, it just made me very tired. But I was really blown away by this whole thing. And um, definitely recommend it if you're going to Japan. It was beautiful. Some people might only go like three hours, but I went six plus. <laughs> and then I was even thinking, okay, let me stay. Because once you're in, you can stay all day. Because it closed, I think, I want to say 10 p.m. or something. But I'm like, no, I'm so tired. But I'm also thinking tonight is the last night that I can go out to a club <laughs> After a day of taking pictures, I'm like, yes, let me go to a club. <laughs> so I do. I do. I go back from the countryside 
wherever I was, back to Tokyo. I get back to my hotel room. And I'm like, I must do it tonight. Tonight is the only night. Because the next day, I left for Kyoto. It's now or never, basically. You know, I wear a nice top. I do my hair, lipstick, and all that. The club doesn't open till 11.30 p.m. And that's early. I mean, obviously it is, you know. But I, I'm not a club person. I go to bed at like 10.30, 11, right? So anyway, I have to show my passport to get in. This guy looks at me almost like he's saying, why are you coming here? <laughs> Which was like weird. And I'm thinking, do I not look okay? Obviously, I didn't ask that. But I mean, I thought I looked pretty good. He lets me in and it's ladies night. So it's free. <laughs> Perfect. I go in and there's all these walkways. Like there's the initial walkway and there's mirrors everywhere. So I'm kind of confused where I have to walk because the mirrors make it look bigger than it is. And it would be so typical of me to run into a mirror or something, but I didn't, thankfully, you know? <laughs> so, and then there's these stairs. You have to go down these stairs. Everything's very narrow, but there's endless walkways. There may be like four. And as I'm going through each level, we're going further down, further down. I don't hear any music. I'm thinking these are amazing soundproof walls or... There's just nothing happening. Like, it's too early. So I pass this other hallway with these lockers. I didn't have anything because, you know, I'm basically down the street from my hotel room. And then there's this soundproof door. It is opened for me because in each walkway, there's like a guard. I want to say guard. Is that a... Can you say a guard of a club? I guess a... Um, like a doorman, right? But a doorman's in the front. I don't know. Multiple people making sure that you just get to where you need to go, which is the main dance area. I open the door. There is a DJ playing very, very much into it. Good music. But it's a Wednesday night. There's like five people. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> And they're all the people that are there, like Japanese people naturally have very young, youthful looking faces. If they are young in age, they look very, very young. Then there's me, you know, I guess I'm not very, very young. <laughs> But So anyway, there's this birthday party going on and the DJs all, you know, playing I think the Beatles, like. He says it's your birthday. And then they have this birthday confetti. And then everyone's like, yeah, you know, like high pitch. And then with a cake. And then they go to one of the tables. And then next thing I know, a guy comes in with a leaf blower. And he pulls all the confetti together and sweeps it up, which was so funny. <laughs> so, and then the next DJ goes on. So throughout the night, I was there till 2 a.m., which I was surprised by because <laughs> I was there kind of a while and I'll tell you why coming up, but there must have been like five different DJs. Like the DJs were having the best time and a few more people did come in, but it was, it was pretty empty, you know, and, and I like to dance ever, but if I'm by myself and then the club's kind of empty, I'm thinking, ah, uh, I'm not feeling the dancing, you know, even though the music was really good. So these group of guys come in 
young, I want to say, like late 20s, early 30s. And they had just come from work, which at this point, it was like midnight. I'm thinking, wow, they leave work late, which the tour guide in Mount Fuji said that they do that. So it was a group of maybe five men. One of the men comes up to me, you know, is just talking me up. So I talk back and he's, you know, he's very, he'll ask me a question, but it's broken English. And then he'll laugh after it. He's like, you know, what are you doing staying here? Ha <laughs> ha, like, <laughs> and it makes me laugh because it's just an awkward way, you know, but he was very um, endearing. <laughs> I don't know if somebody's trying to talk to you and trying to turn you on, I guess. Maybe that's what he was doing. Um, I guess you don't say, oh, he was endearing, right? Like, you're like, oh, he was hot and sexy. Like, but he was so young. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> I don't know. But just the way he was talking, it was very, it was very nice, you know? So... And we're having a good conversation. Next thing I know, we maybe talk. I want to say like 25 minutes. I, didn't, I wasn't looking at the clock, but it was entertaining, right? So next thing I know, another person, another man from this group walks over to me. The guy that I was talking to puts his head down and leaves. And I'm like, what? Why is he leaving? You know, so this, this new guy from the group... He starts talking to me and he basically asked me the same questions. I'm like, wait, why didn't this other guy stay? I have, I can have two people talk to me at the same time, but they didn't. It was weird. So now he, this guy's talking to me. He was also very entertaining, you know, but the same style, like broken English, laughing a lot, looking me up on Instagram, you know, like I didn't, they wanted my number, but I didn't have my phone number so I was just giving my Instagram <laughs> so then they're like yeah USA you know and <laughs> anyway so next thing I know I was talking to him probably like 20 minutes something like that next thing I know this other man from the same group comes over so this person I was talking to puts his head down and leaves again I'm like is this a cultural thing that you know, is it like a sign of respect that you cannot have more than one man talk to you at a time, like to a woman? I don't know. I thought it was very strange. But the thing is, he didn't, they didn't know enough English for me to be like, what's going on? Why can you not all talk to me at the same time? And then the other guys that put their head down and left, they went back to their group, you know, and like probably talked about me or something. And then the next guy came over. You know, it was just so odd. And then so the last guy, he had lived in the U.S. He studied here. Funnily enough, he studied in Wyoming in the middle of nowhere and had been to Denver. You know, you think if you study in the U.S., it's probably L.A., New York, Chicago, maybe Miami. I don't know. Maybe Texas but or Dallas, like a big city, you know, but no. He went to this tiny town in Wyoming, the biggest city he spent some time in was Denver, and then he flew back to Japan. He couldn't say enough good things about Wyoming. He loved it. You know, he spoke the best English, and we had a great conversation, and then he's like, okay, have a good night, and then he left. <laughs> and it was so odd and random. 
And the next thing I know, this Dutch guy comes up to me, complete opposite, and very tall and blonde hair and just European, you know? Like, these Japanese guys were very funny and witty and jokey and kind of high-pitched voices and laughed a lot, which was enjoyable. And then, next thing I know, this European guy, super tall, and I was like, oh, he's kind of boring. <laughs> I want the Japanese guys, you know. Anyway, so I leave. He comes with me and he just wants to walk around for a bit. And it's 2 a.m. So I'm like, uh, I don't really want to walk around, but I don't really want him coming up to my room. We walk around and then this is like the club hour. This is the best time to go out is 2 a.m. So everybody is talking wanting me to go into their club and I'm like no no thank you <laughs> and then they're making fun of me because I'm like no thank you I say to this guy all right I'm gonna go to my hotel room and he's like can I come up and I'm thinking okay <laughs> I probably should have just been like no and I but I said you know do you have time like tomorrow maybe we can do something like I just you know I feel like this guy does this a lot. Like, he's a pro, right? And he's got the looks for it, too. So, we go up to my hotel room. <laughs> and I'm, like, trying to sell the massage chair to him. I'm like, look, I got a massage chair. And he just looks at me oddly. Try it. So, he's super tall. He sits in this massage chair. Nothing is in reach to be massaged. His legs are like way too long. His neck is way too long. And he's like, I don't think I fit. <laughs> yeah, you're too tall. <laughs> so, you know, it's made for shorter people. I basically tell him, okay, nothing's going to happen. And, and then he's like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really do this a lot either, which I know he was totally lying. You know, like we made out a lot and then he went to use the bathroom which was funny because he's like in the bathroom and he sees all the windows you know because <laughs> I'm by myself I don't need to close all these blinds to use the bathroom but he's trying to use the bathroom he closes all the blinds which takes him like a few minutes you know and <laughs> So I'm laughing because he's on the side looking through the glass window, using his hands, you know, to close the blinds like you would, you know, the roll blinds that you kind of scroll down. So it's like going very slowly. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what is this night is the weirdest night ever. So anyway, he uses the bathroom and whatever. And then he comes out and is like, by the way, how old are you? Which, why? I'm like, obviously, yes. I was older. And he was probably, like, early 30s. But why is that a question to ask? You know? Like, I just told him. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And then he left. <laughs> which, I'm like, okay. Like, do you, do you need to ask that question, you know? It's funny, though, because I guess it's important for some guys... It could be positive or negative. I don't know. But he left and I'm thinking this was the weirdest night. I finally go to bed. So the next morning I packed and I left Rapongi for Kyoto. 
and I had lunch. It was delicious. I had one plate of tempura, which was perfect. You know, it was very light. It was very crispy, not oily. And then I also had this sautéed eggplant. It was、um, like a Japanese eggplant. It was a little bit different, but it was delicious. And then I also saw this store. It was a very high-end looking store, and it just had mochi. But the thing about this mochi is that it had this fruit, perfect fruit, like the ripest of the ripe strawberry. No white spots, juicy throughout, very very sweet. Seriously, a perfect strawberry. And just me talking about it makes my mouth water because these strawberries are hard to find. You know, unless you maybe go to a farmers market or something, but this was the most perfect strawberry, and they had all these different fruits. They had kiwi, mango, pineapple, apple—like anything you can think of. But it was the most perfect version of any fruit, and it was wrapped with a fresh mochi dough. It's like freshly made daily, and it had the perfect texture, and it was just delicious. And for there, one of these you buy them individually, and one of these is quite pricey. I mean, it's maybe like three dollars, you know. Which when you're paying like thousands, you're thinking, how much am I spending? You know. And I got two. I got a strawberry and a pineapple, but it really wasn't bad. I w- I would have paid more, you know. But <laughs> they were really good, and it was wrapped in a perfect box. It had instructions. It had. A string that was in the box, because the thing is, you take the string and you kind of cut it with the string in the center, so that you can see the perfectly juicy fruit. Anyway, I was ex- so excited by this whole thing because it was just different, you know. And I love that the quality was so good. And then later on, I got to the train station and I was waiting for the Shinkansen, like the bullet train, to get to Kyoto. And then I saw this Thai shop. And I'm thinking, ah, I'm gonna have more food. And I had this pad Thai, and I was thinking, why don't I try Thai food in Japan? You know, maybe it's a little bit different. And the pad Thai was delicious. The noodles were great. It came with a fried egg, and it also came with a side of a clear broth. But maybe you start with it as a soup or something, which I did. So the pad Thai was a lot spicier than it would be here naturally. Anyway, I take the bullet train to Kyoto, which was about two hours. I made it to the hotel, which was kind of a walk, but the room is probably like three times larger than the other room I had in in Roppongi. But I wanted to walk to this market. It's called Nishiki Market. I didn't have too much time, but it wasn't far away from my hotel. Maybe like a twenty-minute walk, and it's this marketplace. It's like alleyways. It's maybe like the length of six alleyways, very very narrow, and it's surrounded by the most delicious snacks and like little gift kind of shops, you know. But really nice quality, nothing tacky. And so they have fresh takoyaki that they're making right in front of you, which is like the round little fresh balls filled with octopus. They have fresh mochi. They have all this fresh seafood. Like it's also a seafood market. And then they also had this eel. It was a cooked eel, and you basically had it on a skewer. So I ate that. I'm eating all this stuff, and then I'm like, ah, I'm so full. <laughs> a few days prior, I saw on Instagram there was this 
dessert shop, which was close to the area. So I thought, okay, let me go by there, which I did. And there was a wait, there was a line. What I found out was when I got there, all these other people also had seen this Instagram thing. I know because they were American. And, you know, I guess influencers, they really work. You know, like there were like 20 people. And this was a tiny, tiny shop. You could get things to go, but the things that I wanted to go, you couldn't because they made them in a container, which was not to go. So I waited about 30 minutes and then I got to go in and they had the most delicious green tea tiramisu, like matcha tiramisu, but they also had a roasted green tea, which is what I got. And it was so good. It was like not thick. It had a perfect texture. So I know they made the sabayon, like the real way. And they had cake in there and it was soaked with roasted green tea. And roasted green tea, it just has, like, it tastes like green tea, but then it also has smoky notes. And it's just really good. It's, it's kind of similar to coffee in a sense, you know? Just really, really good. But then it had these layers of the powdered green tea and it was delicious. It totally makes me want to make that as a dessert. After that, there was a donut shop. So I went by there. <laughs> like I went just from like shop to shop to shop and I was so stuffed. And after that, I went back to the hotel and just slept. And then that day I took a bath. I'm thinking, so the bathtubs there are deeper. They're shorter because obviously the people are shorter but the bathtubs are probably um, I mean it's hard to say because US tubs are not very tall but they're probably another half size taller you know so you really have to step in there with your leg like you really have to lift up your leg <laughs> or I do and I decided to take a bath but it's nice because because they're so tall yes you you use more water but you can really soak and it stays hotter longer. And that day it was hot. It was pretty warm. So I'm like, yes, let me take a hot bath. And I'm burning up because it was too hot. <laughs> it made me so tired that I basically just slept. But the next day I had a huge day ahead of me because I had to see all these temples. And Kyoto was the place to really do that. I had a full day scheduled for all these temples because the next day after that, I was just staying a half day and went back to Tokyo. Because the thing is, when I looked up Kyoto, sometimes it's hard to know how much there is to do. But what I've realized is I can always find something to do. Like I do not have a shortage ever of finding something to do. <laughs> I've realized this about myself. It only took four and a half decades. Anyway, so I woke up early and I stopped by 7-Eleven to get ready for my day because they have the best stuff. I got an egg salad sandwich. I got my cream puff. I got my green tea, you know, so that way I'm ready throughout the day. And I take the train. There's like a local train. And at first I take it to this bamboo forest, which was very popular in the area. And it was beautiful. And I went very, very early in the morning. I'm glad I did because that day it was also quite hot. But even when I was there in the morning, there were just a lot of people walking 
you know, passing me or walking ahead of me. And they were all going to this forest. I know it was super popular. And also it's throughout Instagram. So these influencers are doing their job. But I'm glad I went that early because already a lot of people were taking pictures. And I want to say it was like 7 a.m. Like it was it was very early, but I got pictures with no people in it, which was nice. And then from there, I started walking to the temple that I really wanted to see. But the thing is, it didn't open till later. But it was this Buddhist temple, and it had hundreds of these kind of pillars built around it. Like, if you want to call it that. But it was beautiful. Basically, it was this square with this wall around it. And inside this wall were just hundreds and hundreds of these like Buddhist kind of statues inside of it. In the very center, it had a large statue, you know, so you could go in there and pay your respects. And then surrounding it were all these trees and flowers and gardens. I mean, Japan has the most beautiful gardens and especially in these temples. But the area you know, around it, around all these temples, because these te temples are ancient, and you walk along all these random walkways, and they'll just be another temple. Like, this area in Kyoto had so many temples, and it was all kind of on one street, like small, quaint walkways. You couldn't, like, drive along it. And you could tell that some people living there were just kind of anti-tourist, you know, because this one man he had this beautiful garden he set it up perfectly but he had all these signs throughout his garden saying do not take pictures but i feel like if i put all my work into making my house beautiful and my garden beautiful i don't care if people take pictures right i don't know i've never had so many people take pictures of my garden but maybe it's different if you have a lot of people take pictures of your garden so then after that i had to walk a different way and i got to the ryoenji temple which is a golden temple with a gold plated roof and this one was also very popular so this one was a bit larger but it had a huge kind of pond with all these gardens around it and then the temple in the center all these tourists were walking around the walkways and this one was very busy like it was getting later in the day and it was getting very packed so you kind of like walk along you know with all these other people I thought I could get a lot done that day <laughs> and I did, you know, and I probably did get a lot done. But the thing is, I thought I could do more. I always think that in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'll go here. I'll go there. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then as I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, crap. Like I have to, you know, actually walk to these other places and they're not right next to each other. So that was a thing, too. I had to get to these other places and that took longer than I thought it would. So after this gold-plated temple, I really wanted to go to Fushimi Inari, but that was on the other side of town. So first I had to take a train to get to this other train, but I still had time and I made it into the afternoon because, so this temple is free. You don't have to pay anything. It doesn't close, but there's also no lights. Like, once it's dark, you don't want to be in there. So Fushimi Inari is this huge, they're these huge grounds, you know, and you basically start at sea level, and it goes up to almost 300 meters, and it's all stairs. And for each stair, you have these gates. So the thing is, there are buildings of temples on the initial main entrance, but then you start walking up all these stairs, and there are these orange gates they're covering each step and you walk under it. If you look behind you, 
There's writing on on the back of these gates. They're bright orange. It basically says the person's name and what country they're from. There's thousands of these gates. And you walk through up and down all these stairs. Like, it's endless. And I was so... I swear, it was like the longest treadmill. <laughs> Obviously more beautiful. And you go to the very, very top. And once you're at the very, very top, there's all these small statues and miniature gates. And it's just, there's so much. I was just templed out at the end of the day, you know, but super excited that I got to go. And then the sun starts setting. I'm like, okay, I have to get back to my hotel. So then the next morning, that was when I was leaving, but not till later in the afternoon. And I went to this castle. It was called Nijo Castle. It's a castle in Kyoto, and it was built in the 1600s. And it's gold and black. And it's so beautiful. Everything is painted and carved, and it's an actual castle. Very modern for its day. You know, what I really enjoyed was that the floorboards... So you walked, you had to take off your shoes, but the floorboards were this wood, all these real wood panels. And when you walked on it, it kind of bent a little bit, like it was a little bit bouncy. And every time you walked on it, it made this like loud kind of creak, but it wasn't a creak. It sounded like a bird. So if you think about it, all of these tourists are walking along it and it sounding like a bird for all of them. So it just sounds like this army of birds you know, every time somebody's walking on these panels. And this castle was huge. It had um, all this artwork that now is in a museum, but they made replicas. Very large for its day. Typical Japanese style. You know, you had these panels for doors with screens, and all these screens had beautiful paintings of flowers, and each different room had a different style of painting. One was a meeting room, and it was just all gold, but it was very modern for its day, and then it was surrounded by all these huge grounds of gardens. It was magnificent, really, really beautiful. So after that, I took the train back. Of course, I had to stop and get like matcha Belgian waffles. So there was a store in the train station. It had all these different flavors of Belgian waffles, like strawberry, matcha, raspberry, plain, caramel. Of course, I got some of those. <laughs> I had to. And they were very good. I'm not a huge Belgian waffle fan. You know, sometimes they can be a bit like dry, but these were so good. And I'm obsessed with matcha. I just, every time I saw matcha, I had to get it. Like I checked out of the hotel and right before I left to get back to the train station, I went to this pig cafe. So there are these piglets and I had to make a reservation and I'm thinking, yes, I'm going to go to a pig cafe. <laughs> I mean, the reason you go is just so you can pet pigs, you know, like any animal cafe. They were very respectful of the animal. I had a lot of questions, but they didn't understand English enough to really answer them. Pigs naturally eat all day. They don't know when to stop. They don't have this like function inside of them to know when they're full. So they're constantly eating. But the thing is, they can't in this cafe, you know, and I guess they have feeding times. I tried to ask, but I didn't get that information. And they're all very young pigs. Like 
what happens when they get too big? You know, where do they go? <laughs> what happens is when pigs are hungry, they make this noise. Like they're, it's kind of a chewing noise, and it's I guess do it naturally to satiate their hunger. You know, because it sounds like rubber. Their noses are very rubbery, so they're making these sounds, and then all of these young pigs in there made these sounds. You know, and I guess it was normal. I sit down, and kind of the host. They don't force the pigs or anything. They give you a towel, like this blanket. You sit, you put the blanket on you, and a pig starts running over onto the blanket. Like they're so well trained because they do this like all day. They just get, basically go from lap to lap all day. They just get pet all day. That's all they do. And sometimes you had two, three, four pigs on one lap. I didn't. I got the runt. And nobody wanted to be around the pig that I had on my lap. <laughs> so I just had the one. And he fell asleep and he started dreaming. And it was the cutest thing. There was this one pig going around and he tried to bully. He was a bully. He wanted all the attention. So he was trying to chase the other pigs away. And when pigs get mad at each other, they're so loud. You know, so the host had to like calm and, and they would calm the pigs by stroking their bellies, which they really enjoyed. And then sometimes they would just like plop over, you know, like they were very open to just being pet any different kind of way. And then after that... It was 30 minutes. It was a timed thing, you know, and you can have a free drink. But the thing is, you have a pig on your lap. I'm not going to get up and get a drink. You know, it wasn't about the drink. It was about the pig. <laughs> so, and then after that, I was like, oh, my God, they're so cute. They're so smart. I, I don't want to eat pork. Like, what? So I went to this other cafe and I got a matcha tiramisu. I got a sakura canale and a latte. But I was so full from all the dessert. I kind of felt a little bit sick because <laughs> I ate too much. So from there, I went to the Kyoto station, which was huge. The Kyoto station, I don't want to say it was bigger than Tokyo. It was just a different layout. But it had 12 floors. It had one floor just for ramen. All these ramen like shops, individual ramen shops. There were probably like over 20 different. If everything is so good, how do you differentiate like what is better? I guess if you live there, you know, but how can you have 20 ramen shops right next to each other? And there were lines at all of them. And that was crazy to me. You know, so one level, you just had all these stores. I don't know, each level there was something. That's all I know. The station went way high. It was probably almost like a skyscraper. So I took these escalators all the way up and I saw this crazy view on the rooftop. It had a garden, but you could go to an area and look down and you could see the whole station from above. Like it was crazy. The design of this was amazing. And most of it was all glass. Everything, it was so light. Everything around it was so visible because everything was glass. It was just very modern and beautiful. And you know what the crazy thing is? I have so much to talk about Japan. <laughs> I get back to Tokyo the night before I was told to go to this one spot. It's called Tsujihan. And it's a restaurant and it's famous for donburi, which is basically sushi mixed and on top of rice. It's just kind of this rice bowl. And it's a very, very famous place. I get there 
there's a line outside and it's moving slowly because this place is tiny. There's maybe like 12 seats. Okay, so I wait for an hour and a half. And even though I waited for an hour and a half, it was totally worth it. The quality of this food was perfection. So I wait for an hour and a half. I guess the host, he wasn't really a server, you know, but he comes out and there's just this one page and it has four things on it. That's it. That's all you can get. Just these four things. Again, pictures. He gives like maybe six menus to each person that's upcoming, you know, that will come into the restaurant. So I wait for about an hour. I get a menu. I point to what I want. And he's like, okay, okay, you know, he writes it all down. When it's my turn to come in, he shows me my seat. Nobody's talking. This is a restaurant. Nobody is talking. It's omikase style. So the chef is in the middle. There's a U around him. And this U is where people are sitting, you know, the table around the chef. Nobody's talking. Okay, nobody needs to talk because, first of all, this food is amazing. <laughs> and also, nobody's ordering anything because you've already placed the order. I don't know. What if you want to add on something? Is that possible? I don't know. But <laughs> nobody's talking. Everybody's already placed their order. So the minute you come in, the chef is just giving you what you ordered, you know, but it's done in a very nice style. So at first, you get these three pieces of sea bream, which is a type of fish. I've never heard of it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, and you get like a wasabi, you get a type of sauce and it's soy sauce, but it has egg yolk in it. You know, so I'm thinking, okay, let me eat this. And then you get this bowl of donburi, which is the cooked rice, like the warm rice with the seafood on top of it. So it's mixed. It's like a crab mixed with salmon roe. You could, I think, get pieces of salmon, like small, mixed into it. And then like some seasonings. And it's delicious. It's super, super delicious. But the thing is, this gentleman next to me, he was an American. There are directions on how to eat this meal. I guess I was doing it wrong. So he comes to me and he's like, there are directions. In front of me, it's written in Japanese, which I didn't know. How am I supposed to know these are directions if it's in Japanese? So he comes over, he turns the sign around, and it's in English. It says, number one, do not eat all of your sea bream, which I already did. I said, well, I already messed this up. He's like, that's why I'm showing you. I was like, you're supposed to show me before I messed it up. <laughs> anyway, what happens is you eat like a piece of this sea bream, then you get your donburi, and then halfway through, like you mix up all your fish with your rice. It's a whole combination. And then they give you the sauce with it. You add the sauce and you mix that in. You eat it halfway. And then you say, I'm ready now. Okay. And then you get this other bowl of stock. It's like this this broth. It's delicious. It has so, so much flavor. And they pour it, this broth, over the rest of your donburi. And honestly, I could have just eaten the broth by itself. Like, they're saying, and then with the broth, you eat the rest of your sea bream, which I already messed up, you know. But I was fine with eating everything individually. But I didn't do the instructions as I was meant to. But everything was so clean, 
you know, in the sense of clean flavors, just fresh. You know, you don't need all these flavorings and spices. And if your food is fresh, you eat it as is, you know, and, and it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And in the beginning, I'm thinking, uh, should I wait an hour and a half? But I'm also thinking, well, yes, <laughs> if it's this good, you know, and a lot of people were getting their stuff to go. But I'm thinking this experience was so different. You know, with everyone being so quiet, you could hear the chef mixing in his bowl. Like, I've never been to a restaurant where I can hear the chef mixing in a bowl. You know, so you might hear somebody chopping something, but you never, it's never that quiet that you hear him mixing it, you know, with his gloved hand. I mean, already that's quiet. So do you understand like how quiet it was in there? And this is a restaurant. I've never experienced this. And there was no music. There was nothing. It was just silence. And also the ginger, it was pickled there. You know, every, all the small details were done there. So this time in Tokyo, I was in a different part of town in Shinjuku. And here there were more like karaoke bars, some clubs, but not really bars. I get to my hotel I find this spot where there's a matcha cheesecake. Yes, I'm going to eat that first. <laughs> but I was just happy to arrive. You know, it was just a long day. The next day, I find a flea market by the temple. This area of Shinjuku where I was staying at the hotel had all these alleyways. And I decided to explore, which led me to the temple. And then that's where this lady right outside the temple at this flea market was selling kimonos. And I picked one up. It had all these beautiful flowers on them and it was very heavy. And the lady said, when it's real silk, it's very heavy. And it had a layer on the inside, like double material. It was an original kimono and it was beautiful. I feel like it was a special robe. It wasn't just a regular everyday kimono, which now is my bathrobe. <laughs> but anyway, I asked how much and she said 2000 yen, which is $16, $16. The quality of this, it's at least $300 because later that day I went into some touristy stores. There were cheap kimonos. They weren't real silk. They didn't have the extra kind of long sleeves, which the traditional robes do. And those were $100. And they weren't beautiful like that at all. So I'm so happy I got the kimono for $16. And to her, that was a lot of money. I would have bought more at the flea market, but I only had a limited amount of cash and everything was with cash. I also got these original paint brushes, these Japanese paint brushes for writing Japanese characters, like a Japanese calligraphy. Anyway, this flea market was great. I loved it. Then after that, I decided to walk over to the Shinjuku National Gardens, which were right in the middle of Tokyo. I mean, you had these huge grounds of gardens and they're surrounded by these skyscrapers. There was a Japanese garden in there. There were all these walkways with these beautiful cherry blossoms. You had these greenhouses with tropical plants on the inside and these orchids. This 
big area with just orchid plants hanging. Basically, I was there for about four hours. There was a rose garden. It was it was basically a botanical gardens in the middle of Tokyo. And then from there, I decided to take a different train to Diver City, which is right by Tokyo Marina, where they happen to have a Statue of Liberty. Like, how weird is that? Why? Why do they need a Statue of Liberty there? But this Diver City place was a huge mall. But it wasn't just a mall. Again, about 12 stories one area was just arcades. Another was this big store of Transformers. They didn't call it Transformers. They call it a Gundam store. Each level had all these crazy stores. One was just a food court. You know, it was it was like a regular mall, but on acid. You know, it, it was insane. And there I had these delicious donuts, which no matter what donut store you see in Japan, there's always a big line. Everybody loves donuts. And these were really good. I had a mochi donut. There was also a French cruller, which is my specialty. But these were filled with a strawberry filling, like a custard strawberry filling. And they were dipped in strawberry white chocolate. Very, very good. And then outside of this whole mall area was a giant transformer, just a statue. It was probably, I want to say, like three stories tall. It was not a small statue. And after that, I decided to go to Shibuya, which is where the Scramble Crossing is. And now that's the crossing that you basically see when you mainly see a picture of Tokyo. It's this crossing and from all sides people are crossing the japanese are excellent at waiting for their light to be green to cross even if the street is tiny they will not cross they will wait okay so me having lived in new york i'm like what what is going on and i just cross and then they look at me like you know damn tourist but this scramble crossing is crazy so it's basically a circular crossing because from all sides you can cross. And it's also a tourist attraction. I mean, this area of Tokyo is one of the busiest areas because you also have the Tokyo train station right there. You have these huge stores, you have hotels. I mean, everything is right there. These cars, they're all going by. You have specialty cars like Lamborghinis, Porsches, like they just happen to be going by this crossing. And then there'll be random go-karts just crossing by, which I'm like, what? What is what is happening? Why are there go-karts? And then the light turns red for all the vehicles. And all of a sudden, everybody, all these pedestrians walk through the crossing at once. Obviously, it's a crossing. But because it's such a tourist attraction, it's the thing to do, right? So so you have a certain amount of time and you hear the timer ticking and then you have some people that run straight to the middle and they're taking pictures, they're posing like they're models. And meanwhile, you have all these other people, you know, just trying to get to the other side, live their daily life. It's probably, it's probably like an amplified version of Times Square. Like Times Square is crazy, but this is even crazier because outside of the crossing, you'll have people dancing, you'll have people playing instruments, like the same like Times Square. But this crossing was the funniest thing because I probably crossed about six times. 
Because for me, it was a fun people watching thing because most people, you know, were tourists and they were just crossing it for the fun of it and they were laughing and it was a big thing. But then the rest of the people, they just lived in the area and they were just trying to get to work, you know, <laughs> like, but it was the craziest crossing I've ever experienced. And around it, you have all these lit up ads. You have these coffee shops where you can sit and drink coffee and then see all these crazy people crossing. And then I went to the train station and I guess this boy band, I don't know which one, there are quite a few, but one of them had just released a new video. So in the train station, there's this really, really long screen and it's probably the length of, I don't know, like a hundred TV screens. Like it, it's just super long. There's all these teens standing in front of the screen. Everybody is filming with their cell phones. And it's basically this new video that's been released and they're all huge fans. So this train station is packed with just people recording footage of the new music video. It was insane. I got back to Shinjuku and in the area where I was staying, there was Godzilla Road, which had a huge skyscraper. And at the top of it was a statue of Godzilla. But around it, there were all these narrow walkways with lit up ads, all these restaurants. You could do gaming. There were all these people trying to sell stuff. You know, from all directions, you were basically getting like attacked, if you will. I just wanted a boba. So I got one, I found a spot and it had brown sugar. It was so good. And I think the next morning, everything just caught up with me. Like I was so tired, but I thought this is my last day in Japan and I wanted to make the most of it. And maybe I should have just relaxed. I don't know. On this map of Tokyo, it said Shioda city. And on that is the Imperial Palace like in Chiyoda City. It's the Imperial Palace. There's royalty still staying there. I saw that basically you could visit parts of these grounds because they have gardens. It's a huge green area in the middle of Tokyo that you can't get to. It's surrounded by water. It's an actual, like a moat around the palace, but it's very, very wide. And then... Around that, you have a running area. So you have all these runners. The thing is, I was under the impression that I could visit parts of the Imperial Palace. But you can't. So there's certain areas where there's a bridge and then you think, okay, here maybe I can get to it. But I didn't realize that there's no tourists allowed. And I guess sometimes it is open to the public. You certain areas like the gardens, but nothing was open. So I walked around this whole Chiyoda city, which took me two hours. I got so annoyed that I couldn't see anything, you know, because the palace was surrounded by trees and the trees were surrounded by all this water and it was very far away. So you couldn't see a thing. And anyway, it just really annoyed me that I couldn't see anything. And I'm thinking, why? Why did I do this? You know, but... And as I was doing it, as I was getting annoyed, I started getting this headache. And then it made me upset. Like I got this headache, I got upset. And I think it was just like everything catching up with me the last year and a half and everything that had happened with my relationship. And, and I don't know. And then all of a sudden I got really sad. And I think that didn't help with the frustration that I wasn't able to see anything. You know, oftentimes when things are bothering me, I keep busy 
It's a distraction. And I don't think Japan was a distraction. I wanted to be adventurous. But at the same time, I saw so many things there, so many beautiful things, so much art. The best thing about traveling is also to experience that with somebody you love, you know, somebody you want to share these things with. At the same time, I was excited that I could do anything I wanted and do it in my own schedule and travel by myself. You know, like there's pros and cons to everything. As I was walking around the grounds of the Imperial Palace, I don't know, it was just everything was catching up with me. And I decided to go back to the hotel and just take a bath and just relax. And then I took a nap and I woke up. It's like I woke up from a deep sleep, opened my eyes super fast and was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> and I went, I went a few blocks away and I got this spicy noodle soup, like kind of a, a spicy noodle ramen, which was delicious and a beer. And that was pretty much my last night out. And that night I made a reservation at Shibuya Sky, which is, it's one of the largest areas to view the city. It's on top of a mall, surprise, there's so many malls, but it's very modern. And on the very top, you have a helipad. But I made a reservation for that the next morning. I wanted to make a reservation at this orchid installation, which I guess was there for a short time. It's this room filled with mirrors all the way around on the top and on the floor, and you have these hanging orchids. And it's supposed to be like this beautiful installation, but unfortunately, everything was reserved. The Japanese are really on top of it. They're really good at making reservations. So I should have done that a few days prior, but I didn't know about it. So the next day I went to this Shibuya sky and took one last look at Tokyo and really just had all these flashbacks about everything I'd done. Like the time went by super fast, but I did make good use of it. And from there I had all my luggage and I did one last lunch at the Tokyo train station. There were these steamed dumplings. I'm like, yes, I need steamed dumplings. <laughs> so I got, I said, you know, like two of each. I got these vegetarian ones, these chicken ones, these pork steamed buns. And I just sat there enjoying all like the shumai and dumplings. And then I got this berry tart, which I've been eyeing, you know, every time basically I got into the Tokyo station. But I'd already been eating all these desserts and I wasn't hungry anymore. But this time I'm like, yes, now I'm going to have this fruit tart. And it was so good. It was so delicious. And from there, I took the Narita Express to the airport, which was so easy. It was basically a fast train, a bullet train that took you straight to the airport about an hour away. And then I got to the airport and it was super smooth. I fly back from Tokyo to L.A. and from L.A. to Phoenix. But initially, when I land in L.A., I'm hungry. There aren't many options. There's like, like a sports bar and I get a pizza. And I was so disappointed with the food because first of all it was double the price and it just wasn't very good I mean I had been eating so well this whole time and now it's like oh like this you know this wasn't that great and then I go to the restrooms in the airport somebody peed on the rim of the seat you know and in Japan there are like pictures like do not hover sit on the seat like there's all these pictures how to pee 
And now I'm back and it's like, ah, why are you hovering? Just sit on the seat, you know? I don't understand. Even if you do hover and you pee on the seat, clean the seat. It's your pee, right? Okay, so I don't want to end it on this note. <laughs> I get to Phoenix because I had to clear out my storage. I had the storage unit in there because when I moved to Switzerland, all my stuff basically from my life was in this storage and it was time to clear it out. So my brother came from Seattle and he helped me with his girlfriend. Of course, I had like some awesome friends help me too load stuff up on the truck, on the U-Haul. My brother and I drove it to Aspen and we drove through Monument Valley, like Arizona, Utah, into Colorado. And it was such a beautiful drive, but what an adventure, you know? And then from there, a few days later, I went to New York. I flew to New York to visit my friend because she had her baby. And it was actually in New York that I finally got to kind of rest this whole time. I hadn't rested. Yeah, it was it was crazy that I had to go to New York just to sit. And that was my five weeks. That was it. And then it was back to work. And it didn't feel like five weeks at all, which is the craziest part. So my next closure, which is going to be in the fall, I'm going to travel to Peru. This is what's planned so far. One of my assistants that I had in Palm Springs his name is Jose, and he lives in Peru, and he invited me to go there. Um, so another adventure awaits in the fall, <laughs> which I can't wait. I've just had such a good time traveling, and it's been a whirlwind of emotions. But I've seen so many beautiful things, and I have so many images in my head. And it's so hard to really describe. All these temples were so original, for example, and they all had all these statues and carvings. I mean, it was the most beautiful temples I'd ever seen. And I'm already a huge Japanese art fan. But overall, at the end of everything, I'm just appreciative for this time that I had to travel, the time that I've had to reflect, and now that I have sorted all my things from storage. I have so many cookbooks. Like I have an insane amount of cookbooks and I love them. <laughs> like I've gone through so many things. I've donated so many things, including baking stuff. Basically, I need to open up my own cafe because I have all these baking sheets and utensils. It's crazy. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my adventures and my weird stories. <laughs> so until the next time, thank you so much for listening. I'm Chef KB, and this was an episode of Cat the Baker. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Chef KB or on YouTube at Cat the Baker. Until next time.